and wouldn't you know it, it's Tuesday again. What would your Tuesday be without the sweet sounds of this wonderful little podcast, Homesteads and Homeschools, in your ears, huh? Wouldn't be a terrific Tuesday, tremendous Tuesday? It would be a terrible Tuesday, wouldn't it? And it was almost that way. My, my laptop, um, I'd like to blame it on Dark Tom Woods, but I, I'm not sure that I've quite reached that level yet. Uh, more likely, the case is that it is a, uh, a Windows issue, you know, um, not quite the blue screen of death, but... Uh, my laptop's all jacked up. So I am recording this on my desktop, which is in an office, which is much bigger than the room I record podcast in. So if it sounds all weird, that's why. Anyway, I will keep it short. Anyway, today is episode number 37, which means you can find the show notes at homesteadsandhomeschools.com slash 037. Um, my guest today is Miss Catherine Bleich. She has a sweet little website that I, I hit her up for, homestead.guru. And uh, once you know it, she is the co-producer of Anarchapulco, um 2020 coming up. So we had a little, little conversation about that as well. So, uh, you know, if you enjoy the show, share it, rate it on iTunes, uh, tell somebody. Anyway, let's, uh, let's get into it. Let's go. Let's go. sow those Liberty Seeds with Miss Catherine Blesh. I love to hear the guitars, man. Oh, I love to sing. I love to sing it. She was dancing when I seen her In a Mexican cantina In a neighborhood they call La Zona Roja <laughs> So my guest today is Miss Catherine Bleich. She is a, a homesteader of sorts. She's a homeschooler, unschooler, if you want to, however you want to phrase that, call it. And uh, she's the, the co-producer of Anarcho... An- I can't ever say it, right? Anarcho Poco... 2020. So uh, thanks for coming on, Catherine. I, I appreciate you taking the time out to uh, sit down and, and talk. Thank you for having me. These are really important topics of discussion. I'm grateful. Yeah, it, it, it really is. I think, um, I don't know, there's something about that self-sufficiency, the home-centeredness that uh, it is important, you know, and we, we need to talk about it a little bit and get those ideas out there and encourage people to uh, to take the plunge sometimes, you know. But uh, so, what what was your childhood like growing up? A little bit. Did you do any of the the homesteading type stuff? Were you kind of in tune with nature, or whatever, back then, or how? What? How did that come about? Well, my dad always had a little garden, you know, tomatoes, and we also have a lake house, so we were fishing and doing that kind of survival kind of stuff. And then, you know, I come from a farming family. So one day I'll inherit a farm. My dad just inherited the farm. And this is big agra, corn and soybean. So I took trips to the farm, but, you know, my hands weren't necessarily in the soil. Um, You know, shooting clay pigeons, that kind of stuff. So, um, yes, the, the seeds were planted early on. My dad's also a veterinarian, so working closely with animals was always really important to me. And my grandma always said, you know, of all the grandkids, you're going to be the one who ends up on the farm. I just know it. And, you know, that I, I am the one who loves it. So, um, you know, it was, it was an integrated part of my life that I didn't really understand that it wasn't an integrated part of everyone's lives. Yeah. It's, it's funny like that sometimes, you know, things that you think are so normal, you end up taking for granted that, you know, the rest of the world, it's not, uh, 
it's not in their lifestyle. It's not in their culture. But um, so yeah. was that something that you agreed with when you were a kid that uh, Grandma said you're gonna you're gonna be the one on the farm? Do you, you agree with that? Or you uh, kind of I don't know. I can imagine being a kid and kind of like uh, I I don't know, Grandma. The location kind of threw me off because I'm like, well, I don't know anybody there. But, you know, now that I'm older and 35 and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'd love to live in the middle of nowhere right now. You know, get away from everyone. So, um, you know, that was really my only hang up as a child. I was like, well, why am I going to want to move out to the middle of nowhere? But, you know, I was always at summer camp and just always outside. I'm a very, very nature person. So um, that aspect did make sense to me. Yes. Good deal. Now, so it's, um, it is big agri at this point. The the farm is kind of corn and soy. Is that still, still what's happening? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's corn. It's, it's soy. It's intergenerational, you know, so the, the farmer's son that, um, is working with my dad now, whereas his father was working with my grandfather, you know, so um, they live on the property. They've got a house. They've got all the, you know, the equipment and the tools. And um, there's also a, a calving operation, you know, for cattle. So, and then, you know, my great grandfather or great great had a, a chicken um, raising operation where he sold, you know, chicken commercially for meat. So, um, yeah, I, I would definitely say that it's. Um, it's big and it's intergenerational. And right now I'm, you know, dad, let's do hemp, dad, let's do hemp, dad, let's do hemp. So I'm hoping that maybe we can do a trial of, you know, a handful of acres or something. But, you know, when things have been moving along for decades and decades in the same way, it's a little hard to shift those gears and have everyone trust, you know, like, are the finances going to add up and how much energy and time is this realistically? For sure. Yeah. You when you, that's, there's something to that, you know, when you get in a routine, when you have something set that you've learned, um, switching switching gears like that can be tricky and and for all those reasons you know the finances the time the work is it you know the trade-off going to be right but how are the the hemp rules where where you are or where the farm is is that something that is feasible or is that well yeah hemp was um legalized nationwide for cbd recently this year and in Missouri, which is where our family farm is, they have passed medical marijuana. They're still, you know, dealing with the licenses for the THC plants, but um, it's becoming more and more accessible and available. And, you know, golly gee, I'd like to be in on the, the top of that market. <laughs> I know, right? Well, that's because I'm, I'm down here in Georgia. And when that happened, I was like, oh, cool. You know, it, this is great for, for, fix um bioremediation here you know and like the word where we live it was all soy and tobacco and just has been so farmed and it land is just beat up um you know but the the licensing process is absolutely insane so that's why i didn't know if you know something out where you were is a little easier but we, I don't. I don't think we know yet how easy it's going to be in Missouri. I think they're still developing the actual process, so we'll find out. I'm sure it's going to be a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's too bad, you know. Some of these things, it just it would do so much better. I think for not just the environment, but for for people, for farmers, um, for industry, and it's 
you can't do it because it's, it's, you know, blocked by the government. It's blocked by all these regulations that, uh, sure, it's legal now, but if you want to get a license, um, you know, you're going to have to take out a loan for, for half a million dollars, you know? Um, it's just not, I don't know, not feasible in the long run. Um, something's got to change. But So you you are in Texas now with a with a bus of sorts, I, I guess, Is it a renovated bus. How would you describe that? I'm in a converted school bus. It's got two bedrooms in the back. It's got a bathroom, a kitchen, a living room. It's got everything I need for a single mom and two kids and my dog and my cat. It works out great. So um, I'm, I'm quite pleased with it. Um, but yeah, you- how did you come into that? How did, how did you, did you like, was that one of those things that you, as a kid, were like, I, I'm going to have a bus when I grow up? Because I know, like, as a kid, I, w- I wanted a bus. Like, I, I wanted that, and it just never, you know, happened. But No, no, no. It never <laughs> crossed my mind. Um, the first hint I had that people did things like this was when the family that lived behind us in my neighborhood growing up in the 90s, they retired at age 35, sold their house, bought an RV, and started traveling the country. That was the first time I heard of it, but I wasn't like, oh, that's for me, other than I thought, well, that 35, you know, retirement sounds great. So I actually attended an event that I was at just last year. I mean, just last week in 2012. Oh gosh, no, 2013. And I had, it's called Rethinking Everything. It's this unschooling conference that is in like its 23rd or 24th year now. I attended for the first time in 2013. It was at a hotel. Well, the next year in 2014, it was at a 4-H campground. And there were some families who showed up in RVs and they were living in these RVs. And I thought, wow, is this even possible? Because we had just done three years on a three-acre farm and that was great. We had like 200 chickens, all these garden beds, you know, we were doing it. And the landlord sold the property. And I thought, I am never, ever digging roots into land that's not mine. You know, I I can't do this to myself again because it was awful having to rehome all those birds and dig up all those garden beds. I mean, it was just the most heartbreaking thing. And so when I was introduced to this idea of having a home that's small enough you can own, but also relocatable, I thought, oh boy, this is interesting. And so I came home from rethinking everything. And I posted on Facebook and I said, has anyone ever lived in an RV with small children before? And by the end of that thread, you know, there were like, oh my gosh, like a hundred comments on this thread. And I was given the unschool bus by the end of this thread, by the end of this conversation, because our family was already traveling. We were doing these Bitcoin tours. We were on the road. We were living our advocacy and, you know, proselytizing to people And they just decided we want to give you this bus. And so we just had to come fly up to New Hampshire, pick it up and drive it home. And that's how I ended up in a bus. I mean, it was not my plan. It was not the plan. But it's been four and a half years now. And I love having the stability and the safety and the knowledge that I own my own home. And I... I can get up and go if I need to. And it's allowed me to experience community, really rich, deep levels of community. And that I've been, you know, seeing, there's an airplane going over. Sorry if you can hear that, but I've stayed 
on properties with fellow unschooler homeschool families. And we've been able to experience nine months on a sheep ranch. We've been able to experience, um, you know, three months on a family farm. We were able to experience a year in an unschool cooperative communal living. Now here I am coming up on the end of my second year on this property in the national forest up north of Houston. And we've got chickens and tomatoes and herbs. And um, it's really nice. You know, the problem here is that the trees are so dang tall there's so much shade i have had trouble growing plants very large so i have them in pots and i literally chase the sun <laughs> but um so you know that that's one issue i have found with where i live and again i don't own this property so i'm not digging the roots into the ground they're in pots and you know it's to live in a national forest, you would need to have a clearing to have a, as productive of, of, of a garden as I had in Austin, where it was just, you know, unlimited sunshine. So I've really been able to learn and see how different people are doing it, spend time, not just visiting, but integrating with these different ways of homesteading and living in community and getting off the grid. And so when it comes time to buy my own property, which I hope to do in the next year or two, I will have experienced all these different methodologies and, you know, just the practicality because you hear about the philosophy, you hear about the ideal, but when it comes down to it, what's it really like having a composting toilet? You know, what is it really like living in a space that is so small that you can't have clutter, you can't have junk, that you have to constantly be dealing with the incoming stuff you can't just stash it or shove it away and so these are things that I've I've had the time to really learn because of the converted school bus and that has been awesome for me is the converted school bus my lifelong goal no I want to have more children I want to expand my family I want to dig my roots in but this did reaffirm for me my desire and my need for decentralized geography. So I want to have a food forest in Texas. I want to have a food forest in Mexico. I want to have a food forest in Italy so I can go to these places where my, in Ohio, in Missouri, where my community hubs are and know that I can stay as long or as short as I need to because I have food growing, I have shelter, whatever I need, and small is okay because to me, the smaller my house has been in my life, the more abundant my experiences have been because I have so many more resources to direct toward those types of experiences. So the bus, gosh, that was a long, long answer about the bus, but the bus really impacted me. Yeah, well, that's okay. I... I um... I imagine that it would, especially that that's not a common lifestyle. You know, it's not something that I would think is necessarily easy to, to get acclimated to and would have, um, a lot of thoughts that go into it and a lot of story that goes into it. So you've lived in a, in a multitude of places, sounds like four or five, six different places. Yeah. Well, you know, we campground hopped at first and then, um, I I'd say, in terms of three months or longer, probably six places. Okay. Any any favorites? Place you want to go back to and stay? Um, well, the place I want to go back to and stay, I didn't take the bus. 
and I hope to next summer. This is an eco village in Ohio called Raven Rocks Eco Village. And this is a community that was founded by the Quakers and they became too radical for the Quakers. They felt that um, politically speaking, the Quakers were um, compliant with some government sanctioned atrocities. And so this community basically was formed in the 70s by some students and teachers at a Quaker boarding school. And they sold and grew Christmas trees in order to pay off the property. And now they have cattle, chickens, they brew kombucha, they, they make these, um, you know, cottage kitchen goods that they sell at the farmer's market. And they are really living, in my opinion, the ultimate life, the ultimate lifestyle. And it's where I would like to plant my roots because these are people because of their Quaker background, they don't have that contentious, argumentative, debative type culture that the libertarian communities tend to have. They do everything based on consensus, and they have never taken a vote. I mean, they are really cool. And the truth is, they're all getting old. A lot of them have died off. There's only one family with kids there. And when I got there, I thought, oh, my word. I need these people and they need me like we need each other because it's in a land trust and we're looking at you know 220 plus acres that are protected forever indefinitely from commercial development and they have houses that are built integrated into the land they have whole home composting toilets you know hole in the kitchen counter that drops down into the basement compost that also takes the toilet i mean it's like they are doing it big and they are doing it really well, really efficiently, really effectively, really peacefully, really beautifully. So that's where I would like to go. And then, um, you know, the other place that stood out to me, honestly, was Acapulco, Mexico. And I did go spend six months there. And so I think for me, I, I would like to have a little homestead there as well. I know of a little lot for sale right on the lagoon. It's got three horses on it right now. It's where I took my compost and buried it every Monday. I was living in a condo and, you know, if I had the resources, I would buy it today. And, um, you know, I, I do think I want to join the Raven Rocks Eco Village and, just even if it's seasonal, if it's summer, whatever, I, I want to be a part of what they're doing because I have so much to learn from them. And I do have a couple of videos from them up on the homestead.guru website, www.thehomestead.guru. I interviewed them, did some tours of their houses. Really, really awesome people. I'll get those links in the show notes for sure and probably put, put those videos. I wonder if I can pull them directly into the to the show notes but i saw them on the um on your your blog there it's uh it is it's a very it's very intriguing it's um it's something i would like to to learn more about just to to learn about um just to see how they how they make it work how it functions you know um and get off of some of that uh i don't know government uh fat you know the the, all the stuff you got to take um but so when you were down in in Mexico there, and, um, was that in when you were was that in line with um, Anarchapulco? Yep i I went down to speak at Anarchapulco a year and a half ago, 
And we had decided to stay for six weeks during that time period because, you know, we've created a lifestyle where we can do that. And we fell in love with it. So we decided to go back for six months. And during that time period, I was asked to manage the health and wellness stage. So it worked out great. I was down there in person and and able to work on managing the health and wellness stage. It was was a volunteer position at the time. And it was, it was awesome. I loved it. I loved my life there. I loved the culture there. I loved the environment there. I loved it. that food was growing everywhere. I mean, I don't know how much a star fruit costs if you're in a grocery store where you are, but here they're like $4 each. And at the little beach spot we would go to, they're just falling in the road, you know, you can just like pick up like a barrel of star fruit. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is like $400 worth of fruit that I'm just taking home and gorging on. And there's lime trees and, um, it it was a really neat experience being somewhere where the earth is just spitting food out, just spitting just spitting food out, you know, I I think in the United States, we've really landscaped a lot of our indigenous food out of our neighborhoods and out of our communities. And that is not the case in Mexico. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, I mean, really, when you when you think about that, when you think about how, how expansive our our lawns have become, and even when we plant trees, generally speaking, you know, you plant trees along your driveway, you plant a shrub row. it's not blueberries, it's not apple trees. It's something with a flower on it that, yeah, it looks pretty, you know, half the year or whatever, a quarter of the year, but it doesn't, doesn't provide for you. It doesn't, doesn't do anything for you other than, you know, look pretty. Um, there's so many things that we could be doing to just grow food randomly here and there, you know? Um, and so it's, uh, I appreciate that. That sounds, sounds pretty, pretty neat. What, um, what brought you down to, to, um, or I guess what got you involved in it? How did you become the the health and wellness stage person? Like, what was it that got you down into into Anarchapulco in the in the first place? Well, they invited me to come speak on unschooling, and I took so long to respond that they had filled up the speaker slots on the main stage, and so they said, "Well, we're going to put you on the on the health and wellness." It was a pre event retreat that year. It was three days before Anarchapulco. And there were, I don't know, three or 400 people that were, you know, that had bought tickets to come early and do this health and wellness stage. And I was able to attend that portion of the event without the kids, their dad, John watched the kids. And then we traded like during Anarcho Poco. Mm-hmm. Cause for me, it's like, you know, love Ron Paul. I've seen him speak a ton of times, but the health and wellness stuff was brand new to me. Right. So I was happy to watch the kids during that time period and let him kind of geek out on, on the other stuff. And I hadn't been able to really pay attention to uh, a conference in a long time, in part just because I'd seen a lot of the speakers so many times that I would stand out in the lobby and talk to people instead, but also because I was chasing toddlers around. And so, you know, I, I had my life changed. I learned a bunch of new things. I tried a bunch of new things like acro yoga. I did plant ceremonies. Um, I did a combo ceremony, which is a poisonous tree frog. And it it creates this intense detox, full body detox. And I had been bit by a brown recluse two days to the year that I did this combo ceremony. And very rapidly, for about 
a week after the combo ceremony, there was, you know, like a peak in my inflammation. But then after that, it was like, it started dropping out very rapidly. I started losing weight. I started feeling better. My um, chronic pain and exhaustion started to go away. And I, I was able to really, I think, bunch of the venom that had been stuck and stagnated in my body. And, you know, I'd be doing all sorts of, of detox regimens. Um, and then just to be in that environment where the weather is perfect every day, you have the very laid back, slow paced culture of Mexico. You have the amazer in the sand and the fresh coconuts and fresh avocado citrus. And I felt hyper nourished on every level, mind, body, and soul. And I just became so lit up about the health and wellness the stage I came home about it and they were like hey you know you're so excited you want to be involved I'm like yeah sure and you know for me event event management stage management it, it comes really naturally I did it for decades through the Ron Paul campaign and grassroots activism and then the bookstore that we my ex-husband and I had bought so that was really easy and they were like wow okay you know she knows what she's doing and they hired me on this year um and, but i'm managing that stage again because that like to me that is it that is if you, if you can own your body right if you can own your emotions if you can own your 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 mental faculties if you can own your health and your existence in this world you can have sovereignty. You can have freedom. And, and to me, it was like just getting down to the least curve. And, and it's, it's not the politics. It's not the money. It is the politics. It is the money. But when it comes down to it, all of that gets into alignment when we start taking ownership of ourselves. And even the homesteading and the getting off the grid, you know, those are, these are all these kinds. And so for me, it came down to how do I own myself? And so it, in Acapulco, wild harvesting medicines and dehydrating them in the sun and making tinctures and and really to live in harmony with with the earth and and start medicines and foods that she's offering where I am and, and learn how how to integrate them into my own health care practice. Um, so it just it kind of spun from giving a speech to being completely enamored with the whole experience and then managing the stage last year was fantastic this year we actually have a practitioner space so there's going to be a bunch of doctors who are offering things like stem cell treatment or body work and sites so we're not just learning about these things but we actually get them and experience them and some of them aren't legal in the United States so this is a really great opportunity to not even have to leave the hotel or figure out how to speak Spanish you know you can do it right there that's awesome that's awesome and, and I imagine it will probably be a bit cheaper too when you have to get some of those procedures outside of the uh, the medical system we have here but yeah exactly uh, so when you when you go down to, to Mexico this year, how long do you think you'll be down, down for? Is it just going to be like a, just the trip or are you going to? I wanted to go for six months again. And unfortunately, my common law husband filed a legal divorce 
in April and the state mandated my children attend private school three days a week. So I am able to only go for two weeks this year and I am praying and hoping that I can shift that because my my heart, my soul, everything inside of me wants to be able to spend every winter there. I've never felt better physically, mentally, emotionally in my life than when I spent six months living there. And I'm going to do everything I can to manifest the ability to go back for as long of a period as possible. When you, when you go away for like two weeks or six months or whatever, what, what do you do with the bus and with, with your homestead there? What is... What does that so, look like? The bus lives right here in Cut and Shoot, Texas, and there's a family here, and they they check in on it just to make nothing happen. The roof didn't start leaking or something. Um, the, the chickens are, you know, they're pretty self-sustainable. Um, I'm a big fan of food forests, you know, things that can survive. So all of my plants do fine as it doesn't freeze so then I need help you know bringing them in or whatever during that time period but the animals travel with me so the animal and some of my potted plants come uh, but <laughs> some plants made it with me. um and, and and say you know like I had um you know there, there's some medicinal plants that I really care about like my purslane plant and um, my aloe that I've had for eight years now that a friend gave me nine years when I moved to Texas, 2010. So, um, and a plant my mom gave me that broke off from um, a plant she was given when she was 17 years old. So yeah, I've got some, some, uh, intergenerational plants that I'm, I'm keeping alive, but right now the bus is staying where it is, and um, I'm okay with that because the bus is getting old, and um, I don't really, I, I drove it for the first time last week, actually. I've lived in it for an hour. So I'm breaking down my mental barriers, um, but I don't feel comfortable driving it by myself long distances with the kids, you know, like in the back or whatever, because in the past, John would drive it, and I would manage the children, in the back, but you know, I, I don't want to not be able to see them or hear them. Um, so anyway, yeah, it, it stays here. And, um, because we live in community, we, you know, the, everything's taken care of. It, it carries on. You, I know you do some homeschooling, unschooling stuff. Um, I know it's, it's different for everybody, but, um, how long have you been unschooling or how old are your kids? So my kids are eight and six, and they were unschooled their whole life until two weeks ago. Now they are going to a very hippy-dippy, um, Reggio Emilia type school uh, where the, you know, the children learn from the environment. I was using a Waldorf at home curriculum. You know, Waldorf is very much about lifestyles and rhythms, and they don't teach any structured um, reading or letters, that kind of stuff, until age seven, when children's brains are really developed into their childhood brain, and they've lost their baby teeth, and they are exiting that period of, you know, infancy, toddlerhood, um, when they really have the, the mental capacity to start learning those things in a way that has allowed them to complete the learning process of the other things. Cause you know, when they're seven and younger with Waldorf, they really believe that 
be learning the job, the work of a child is play so that they can figure out how the world works. It's doing the dishes with mom. It's learning routines and rhythms. It's learning how to fit into the world. And so that's how I spent the first eight years of my motherhood was, was teaching my children how to fit into the world with these rhythms, with these routines. And thankfully, the guardian at litem and the judge, they saw in my divorce, they saw the value in this lifestyle and they created a way where, you know, I have the kids four days a week. They go to school with John at a private school that he chose three days a week. And I'm still able to do the things I was doing before and I'm communicating with the school and then working with them, but they're aware that we are a homeschool, unschool hybrid family and so, you know, that's where we are right now. I, I don't know that it'll be that way forever, but that's, that's where we are right now. And it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of the things with the, with the, the whole Montessori thing or Waldorf thing or the, where you, your job is to, to learn, right. And you learn through playing. And like you were saying, like going to different places in the bus, like you're learning different ways of of growing things of of living of life even as as an adult you know you learn from doing i think so much easier so much better than you know from just reading a textbook or something and it's uh i've always been curious about that sort of educational system we've we've not gone that route but um well, for me, it's, it's, you know, I, I believe after doing some work with my kids, um, cause they're, you know, they're getting their placement testing and, and we'll find out in a couple of weeks, but I believe they're going to be testing ahead in mathematics and probably right on par with reading. And because my son is not yet seven, I've never done any formal, I read at night, we read Harry Potter and, you know, that's the series we're on right now. Um, but just through existing in life, they are already picking this stuff up and being in Mexico, my daughter can do peso to USD conversions in her head where I'm pulling, I'm pulling out my phone. I'm trying to get the calculator out and she's already telling me what it is. So, you know, this is a very real and practical way of learning. And yes, being in the different environments, it allows you to, to not only learn about the ways people grow food and the way they live, but the way they communicate and what you like and what your preferences are. I've lived on a property where, yeah, they're unschoolers, but the woman who owned the property was a yeller. I've lived on a property where, yeah, they're homeschools, but they're super strict and fundamentalist. And, you know, so there's, I've learned what type of community I want to be in before I've had to make the lifelong investment of the property of the home of, you know, the, the resources, the life savings, all of that. I've, I've been able to experience the type of people I want to be with and the type of environment I want to live in. I'm not a huge fan of the heat in Texas. I'm not, it sucks. I don't want to be here, you know, but I will always, at least for the next 10 years, be attached here through my children. So I need to have some sort of property here. But Mexico, I love. I love it there. Ohio, that Raven Rocks Eco Village, I love. I love it there. So for me to start, now that I know this is the environment I love, this is the food I love, this is the lifestyle I love, these are the types of people I can do life with, you know, for example, where I am right now, 
we've never had drama for two years and we've had crazy things happen, you know, pipes burst, floods happen, um, you know, scheduling, whatever. And, and that doesn't mean we haven't had conflict, but it means when there's something we need to talk about, we talk about it and there, there's no drama Rama. Those are the people I want to do life with. And ultimately their kids attend school and I'm fine with that. We pick their kids up off the school bus. We're here waiting because we're a community, we're a tribe, we're a family and there's no judgment because we love each other and take care of each other and we're doing the best we can. And our goal, these are my people to get the Texas property with, you know, these are my people I want to do life with and some of the families from the most recent um, unschool community that I was at, but it wasn't owned by someone who was stable. So it just, I can't do it. I had to, to get get away from that. So yeah, to be able to experience these things and for the kids to be able to experience them and for the kids to know, Hey, you know, we, we are interested in living with sheep or goats and Hey, we like chickens and Hey, we like the forest and Hey, we like the beach. And, you know, when you start figuring out these things, we like to garden, we like having trees that grow fruit. Um, you, you start to decide these things through real life experience. Now, when we're ready to do it, we're going to do something we actually like. And that's what we're going to invest our time and energy and money into. And I'm, I'm really excited about that. And I think that my kids have had, you know, a, a type of education that probably not many children on the planet have had, you know, they, they have traveled coast to coast, border to border. They've been, they've driven through Mexico. They have walked through a clear cut forest in Chiron. They have seen the greenhouse and the people who are growing the trees. They heard the stories of the revolution that took place there of the people rising up to take their forest back. They've been in Bastrop, Texas, where a forest fire burned down a whole forest. They've watched it regrow over eight years as we keep going back. They've been on farms, on ranches, on beaches. I mean, it is just, they have experienced so many different ways of life and I, I'm happy for them. I feel like it's a huge blessing. It is, it is for sure. I think, um, and, and, you know, some of the more, I guess, traditional homeschool route, um, you don't get all that, but it's definitely still, it's, it's more than, I think what you get in a public school, you know, when you really are chained down, um, you know, in the, I don't know, you have that freedom to, to move about, um, you know, and you, you ha- really have that freedom to move about, which is, uh, is a nice thing I can, I can imagine. We've moved a few times and it's, um, it's difficult, you know, it's tricky when you have kids and you have roots and, you got to separate them and, and pull them up. And like you said, you know, all that, that work that you did, um, was, was for not, you know, so. But, yes. Uh, and, and that's why right now I love it that we have community. We see every single year in Acapulco, Mexico. I love it that we have community. We see every single year in Ohio. I love it that we have community. We see most years in New Hampshire and Missouri and, you know, and, and so as life goes on and we're integrating with other like-minded families, we make sure we go see them. And so my kids have those roots and that routine and it's just decentralized and it's awesome. Good deal. So, um, 
Can you tell us about your your website real quick? I know there's lots of lots of information, lots of resources up there. Um, you know, unschooling, DIY stuff, uh, your your medicinal um, side of things. So, tell us about that real quick. Yeah, sure. www.thehomestead.guru. And the idea is it's a collection of knowledge from people who are living it. Not everyone lives in RVs. Some live in homesteads. Some live in apartments in the city. The idea is that we are our own guru and we have the ability to homestead no matter where we are. You just have to start with what you have. If you're in an apartment in the city, you can get a pot and put it on your patio or in front of your window. If you are in an RV, you can put a pot in your RV or outside of your RV. If you are, you know, in a big house, you can dig a hole in the ground and you can plant some seeds. I mean, even if you were on food stamps, you can buy seeds with food stamps, you know, so it's like you start with what you have where you are. And so this website is it's a compilation of knowledge. And um, when it so when it comes to gardening and chickens, and and building stuff or living tiny or living mobily or homeschooling your children or unschooling your children or taking ownership of your health because a big part of homesteading is to get off the grid in all ways and so that means you have to learn how to grow your medicine and make your medicine and take care of yourself and wild forage and recipes for making food and we're not dogmatic we have vegan bloggers and carnivore bloggers you know so it, it, it's the thing about homesteading is your way is your way and it is going to be unique and different from anyone else. How you deal with education, health, your toilet, maybe your septic, maybe your composting, maybe you're on city, maybe you collect rainwater, maybe you turn the faucet on and, and filter it. Maybe you don't, maybe you build your own filter. Maybe you, you know, you know, whatever it may be, we're all in different places and we have different resources and different knowledge backgrounds. And so the homestead guru it is a website with about 700 articles written by people who are doing it and living it themselves. Good deal. And yeah, yeah, it's, um, I, I did not know there was that many articles. I knew there was a bunch, but that is, that is a lot of information there. So and always thank you. Growing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, thank you for, for putting that up there. Um, it, it is, it's helpful, you know, is we all, we all have our own stories and we all have something to share and, you know, it, just talking to people, um, you know, I've been able to, to kind of take things or, or steal ideas and, and implement them into sort of my, my lifestyle, you know, and into our, our choices here. And it's a, uh, it's a nice thing to have those, those stories from other folks. So, yeah. um, and if, uh, anybody's interested in, in more information on, uh, Anarchapulco, where, where should they go for, for that? Well, I can provide you a link for the show notes that will get them 10% off and they can go to anarchapoco.com. There is also a Facebook page and a Facebook group. The page is, you know, memes and information about the event. The group is where you can really start to get to know other attendees and have conversations and dialogues with people who have been there, who plan to go there. We're on social media um, in other capacities as well, including Twitter and Instagram and Pinterest. So you can find us basically online anywhere. I highly suggest you go to anarchapoco.com and join the mailing list. 
And I am actually managing their blog now. That is something I just took on two weeks ago. So you're going to see a ton of new content going up. This is a skill set that I learned from managing the homestead guru for four and a half years. And now I'm taking it and applying it to anarchapoco.com. So you're going to see video interviews with speakers. You're going to see living anarchy lifestyle posts going up about unschooling and um, the philosophy of anarchy, all of these types of things. And then, of course, event updates as they come and just general information about the event itself. Good deal. Good deal. I will, like you said, I'll put all that in the show notes and uh, hopefully people will go check that out because it i maybe when the kids get older i don't know but uh i'm telling you it is a great event for children children attend for free you don't pay for a ticket you just got to get you know their transportation there and food of course there is built-in health care in the hotel which i was very hesitant about two years ago but the culture in mexico is so gentle and so loving and so in alignment with voluntarism and my children didn't want to leave i didn't know what to do with myself i had no idea what to do with myself and then of course there's a family camp stage where there's speakers who are talking about things like homeschooling and unschooling and raising sovereign children but there's also activities for the kids to do. So there's a turtle release party, there's surf lessons, there's, you know, talent shows, all these types of things that are going on as well. So for me, I found that going with the family was epic, awesome, amazing. And I would have been really heartbroken if I had gone alone and didn't bring them after seeing just how amazing it is for them to integrate with like-minded children from all across the globe. I mean, they've got, you know, people speaking, you know, German, Russian, Italian. I mean, the, the, the language exposure that your children will receive at Anarchapulco is unlike anything I've ever experienced at, a, at an event in the United States. So um, if you are able to afford it with the time and with the airline flights, or for me, I drive down to Texas, um, it's definitely worth it to bring the whole family. Who knows? Who knows? Anyway, thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing that. I uh, appreciate it. Um, and, uh... Do you love freedom? Do you love songs? Do you want to love all 365 days in a year? If you're anything like me, the simple answer is yes. And Freedom Song 365 can deliver all of these things. When you sign up for Freedom Song 365, you'll receive an email every day that delves into the different ways freedom and liberty are messaged in a massive catalog of music. Each message is carefully crafted into easily consumable paragraphs that give you the necessary information to share with your friends. I've been receiving Freedom Song 365 emails every day of 2019, and I've yet to be disappointed. But really, why should I be? With the fabulous minds of Nikki P. from the Sounds Like Liberty podcast, my guest from episode 4, Sherry Voluntary, and the wonderful Luke Tatum of the Culture of Peace podcast, there's more brain power utilized in the creation of each individual Freedom Song 365 email than is proffered in a whole day at any DMV across the country. Head on over to freedomsong365.com and sign up today to start receiving your daily emails of musical integrity. Use the promo code HOMESTEAD and you'll receive 15% off the superb service. Again, that's freedomsong365.com, promo code HOMESTEAD for 15% off. Alright, you know, I've, I've always wanted to live in a bus. Um, when I was in, in high school, 
and even at college, I, I really wanted a bus. Uh, that was that was one of the things I just I still do. Um, I still want a bus. I I don't have a bus. I doubt I will ever have a bus. I have settled for a minivan that um, one day I dream I can take the back seats out and hang some curtains and maybe some some sweet chili lights around the inside and uh, you know go drive around. But um, for now, that is certainly not the case. I, I cannot foresee. Uh, the children or my wife appreciating that very much. Anyway, that was my episode with Catherine. Uh, that was my little interview with her. Uh, really good stuff. Go check out the show notes. You can find a link there for uh, Anarchapulco if you so choose to get down there. Get yourself some discounted tickets. Um, like I said at the top of the show, review it, share it, whatever you want to do. I appreciate it. And uh, the thing, I, I've been playing little clips of music, little bits of music. I enjoy music, so uh, I play little bits of music. And you can check out the playlist on Spotify. You can go to Spotify and check that out. Um, search for Homesteads and Homeschools. Or you can go onto the website, homesteadsandhomeschools.com slash Spotify. And uh, you'll have a link that can take you over there. And uh, I don't know. It's, uh, I, I enjoy listening to it. I hope you do, too. Anyway, folks, come back next week when I will be here tickling your eardrums again. Get out there, sow those seeds of liberty. We can all reap sheaves of freedom together.